Good morning, church. Hey, it's good to hear your voices. I know you're awake. Wow, it is so good. It's a privilege and an honor. And this morning, it feels like a, a, a huge responsibility to preach again at, at Big Woods. Some of you sitting here, some of you watching, can remember years ago that I did preach at the previous building a number of times. You know, I was reflecting. I believe, I believe my wife Linda and I have been visiting Big Woods for more than 20 years. <laughs> um, when our second oldest child decided that Lock Haven University is his college of choice, uh, he came here, connected with uh, New Life and then Big Woods, and he graduated, and our next child, when it was time for her to choose a college, chose Lock Haven and came here for four years. And she graduated. And when our next child was ready for college, she chose Lock Haven University and came here for four years and graduated, connecting with New Life and Big Woods as well. And so every time we would be coming up weekends to visit, we would connect with Big Woods as well. So, but that all kind of changed a bit ago because on November 14, a little over four months ago, my wife and I, we packed up our stuff and we moved to this area. And so on November 15, that Sunday, and every Sunday since, my wife and I have been here at church so I guess you can't say we're visitors anymore on that. But it's just been awesome to see how God has worked and the things that he has done in our lives. When I received the call on Monday evening from Tim and he was explaining his and Wendy's situation and he asked if I would preach for him on this morning, I hesitated, not because I didn't want to help him out, but because I had heard Tim say that he just can't wait to preach on Romans, or, yeah, Romans 8.1. And so when he asked me that, and I began thinking of that right away, I don't want to take this away from him. And I said that to him on the phone. And he says something like, you are free to choose whatever scripture text you want to preach on. But be sure to think about Romans 8.1. You are free to use that one if you so choose. So I said, let me think and pray about it. So Tuesday afternoon, I got back to him after thinking and praying for a while. Um, and I said, I will preach on Romans 8.1. And he affirmed me in that. So kind, I kind of feel bad about taking the, the, the text that he was so looking forward to. But yet I feel a huge responsibility in, in, in the word. I've always taken preaching the word of God very seriously. Because it's an awesome and wonderful task. To help us study the word. So turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, chapter 1, or Romans 8, verse 1. 
But first, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've gathered as your body together here and online as well. Thank you that you see each one of us where we're at. You know each one of us intimately, God. You know what's going on in our lives. You are God and God alone. And thank you for being here with us this morning, God. God, as we look into your word, God, may I be a vessel fit for use. God, may I speak boldly and clearly the awesome truth from this verse, God, that you have given to us. Thank you, our Father in heaven. But also this morning, God, we, we remember, we think about so many people that, that are sick and, and have these diseases, God, and other things that are going wrong with their bodies, from, from cancer to COVID and, and yeah, all these different things. God, how we need your touch. God, it's ultimately you that brings the healing and how we ask for your touch upon this body this morning for all the members that are experiencing all these struggles with their individual bodies. And God, even more in the, in, in the day-to-day experiences that we have, the challenges of just living, God, we get so frustrated sometimes at the things around us and how we can or can't do things. And God, again, I just cry out to you, God, be there with us. Give us wisdom and understanding and patience in those times that we need it because, God, we are your children. So thank you, Father. And God, the relationships that we seek to build and maintain each day, God, it can be challenging when there's misunderstandings and miscommunications. And God, how we need you to speak into our individual lives, God, and help us in this journey of relationships with each other and most of all, our relationship to you. So God, this morning, here we are as your people. We ask you, Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit to minister to us each one of us in our lives in this time together before you around your word in Jesus name we're praying and we're believing amen Romans 8 verse 1 in the uh, English standard version there is therefore now no condemnation No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have pondered that verse over and over. Pastor Tim said, oh, you probably have a message that you preached on Romans 8. And I said, yeah, I probably do. I don't know where it is with the move and everything, but I'm going to start over. And I pondered this verse again and again, and I still say, wow, the implications of this verse to all of us in Christ. And so it's so important. The truth is so relevant for us every day of our lives. I have it underlined in my Bible. I have it highlighted in my Bible. I want it to stand out whenever I'm going by that page so that I can see it. And as I was pondering this whole thing, I remembered back... um, to a sermon that Pastor Tim preached uh, several weeks ago where he said that his wife Wendy likes um, the law or courtroom TV shows and you know what, I do too. I like that stuff. I've learned a few things about the law through TV shows. Now you always have to verify it 
and make sure what you see they're taking liberties with is really the law because I've already said, huh, is that the law? And I go research it and I say, oh, yes, it is. Or, oh, no, that isn't. Uh, but you learn things. You can learn things about it. I, I, like, I like all that stuff. My daughter has said, if you weren't a preacher, you should have been an attorney uh, on that part. Then maybe I would have got there. I don't know. God, God always leads our lives in the ways that he wants it to go. But would you this morning picture in your minds with me the setting of a courtroom. The judge is front and center. To the left is the jury. To the front right of the judge is the defendant and the defense attorney. To the front left of the judge is the prosecutor. There's a hush in the courtroom because the jury has just returned from a long deliberation. The judge turns and says to the jury, have you reached a verdict? And the jury foreperson stands and says, yes, your honor, we have. We find the defendant not guilty. There's gas, and then there's cheers, and the defendant hugs his defendant, and you know the scene. There's a celebration. He's free. There is no sentence to pay. There is no condemnation. The jury has said, not guilty. Well, what emotions would you feel? What would be going on in your life if you were in that situation? But dear church, what we have in our lives today is even greater than that imagined situation that I just talked about. Because we were guilty. We were guilty. We deserved death. There was no slick attorney that was going to get us out. We were guilty. But the word for us is this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation. Now, Matt did a, an awesome uh, message last Sunday from Romans 7. And he portrayed all these different ways and the struggles and the things that are going on as we seek to live our lives. There is the law of sin and death, but then there is the desire to serve Christ. And as we go back and forth and struggle with that and the ups and downs, and as Daniel was alluding to in the, in the children's, we, we, we don't always do it right. We sin. And we have that whole struggle. But yet the word that comes to us through God is, there is therefore now no condemnation. So what does that produce within us? That produces within us as followers of Christ confidence and assurance and gratitude in our lives. When we come to God in trust and we say, I trust in Jesus for what he has done on the cross to deliver me from my sins. And when we follow through with obedience 
in living our lives for Him. We can walk in confidence. We can walk in assurance. And we can walk in gratitude for what He has done. What God has done for us and will continue to do, to do for each one of us. Yes, the struggle is there. But you know, in all this writing that we, in his first seven chapters, Paul isn't seeking to motivate the believers at Rome or even us today through doubt or through fear. But it's all about what God has done and the confidence and the insurance and the gratitude that we can have through him. So, so far in, in Romans We've been seeing about the problem of sin and the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ and the struggle that we live with in our lives. But because of this verse and, the, and what it is declaring, we can say with a certainty that the sanctification that we are experiencing is based on the sovereignty of God. The sanctification will happen. What is sanctification? Well, the very generic meaning of that term is a proper state of functioning. So, this mic sounds like it's functioning properly. So, in the generic sense of the word, we could say it's sanctified. Not the way we usually think of that as Christians, do we? Well, right. Because in the spiritual context, sanctification even has a bigger, deeper meaning for us because maybe the best way to describe that is to read what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says concerning sanctification it's and I quote the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and we are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. You catch that? God's free grace whereby we're renewed in the image of God and enabled more and more to die to sin and live to righteousness. Hey, that sounds like what we've been hearing so far on this journey and study in Romans how we can become more in the image of God. And we recognize from Romans, it's not an easy task. It's a challenging task for us. But we must remember, every day, there is therefore now no condemnation. Daily, we can have the confidence, we can have the assurance and we can have the gratitude flowing from our lives to God for what he has done in freeing us from sin so that we can say and believe there is no condemnation. Every person lives under law or under grace. And it's the last part of that verse that is so key and so important and what we're going to focus on next, in Christ Jesus. Because we have much more in Christ Jesus. 
much more in him. Each of us, I'm sure, in our journey, desires to live under grace. It is only by grace that there is no condemnation upon us, that we are free from the consequences of our sin because of Jesus and his death on the cross and the power of his resurrection. A few weeks ago, Pastor Tim's message was titled, Glorious Grace. And it was from the latter half of Romans chapter 5. And in that passage, there's Adam and there's Christ. And as Paul is writing this, he's contrasting Adam and what he had done and Christ and what he has done. And just as sin and death came into the world through Adam to afflict all of us, and we pondered that, if you remember the, what, what all was going on there and, and how that affects and afflicts us, so also the free gift of grace came into the world through Christ to justify many. And we pondered that. But in Romans 5, it talks about the whole thing of what Christ has done. How much more, how much more we have in Christ. It says that several times because I happen to be preparing a message related to Romans chapter 5 too. And it, it just keeps catching me. How much more in Christ? In fact, there's a number of things that are very important uh, as we study this. Romans 8 you know, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation is a word, this word only appears three times in the New Testament, in this word, in the Greek. It's here, Romans 8, and two other times in Romans 5, the latter half. And it's in verses 16 and 18. And I would just like to read those verses to you. So we can get the context. Verse 16 in Romans 5 says, The gift is not like the result that came from the one through the one who sinned. For the judgment from sin led to condemnation. We're all condemned because of that. But the free gift which came after many trespasses leads to justification, being made right with God through Jesus. Condemnation came, but through Jesus there is therefore now no condemnation. And also then in, in verse um, let's see here, verse 18. Therefore, just as through the trespass of one man came condemnation for all men, so through the righteous act came justification of life for all men. One man brought the condemnation, but one man, Christ, brought life. So there's the three times this word is used, impressing upon us the condemnation, but Romans 8 
says, there is therefore now no condemnation because of Christ. How freeing and how reassuring that is to us. Because when we come to the gospel message, when we hear the gospel message and we receive the gospel message, believing what Christ has done for us, then we are made free from the bondage of sin and the punishment that would be ours. We are free to serve him, to trust in Christ, Christ's payment for the penalty that I deserve, that you deserve. We are free from that. In Christ, and that's the whole difference, in Christ versus the law. Because the power is in Christ. In fact, in Romans 8, I'm going to jump ahead, probably get into some of Tim's stuff here, but this verse is so important that, again, I have it highlighted. I even have a star in the margin in my Bible because I go to this verse over and over. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit that lives in you. Christ in us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power that we're going to be celebrating next Sunday in this whole uh, celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. That power is available to us to live the Christian life. And it makes all the difference. Now, no condemnation to those in Christ. But as I keep saying, as we learned in, in chapter 7 last Sunday, there is this struggle that we continue with. Let me illustrate something that came to, illustrate this way, and a thought that came to me as I was studying this. I have a, a stone in my pocket. I call this a river rock. I don't know what you call it, but it's, it's smooth. It wasn't quarried. There's a lot of these around our house in the ground. I guess there's a lot in this area. But it's nice and smooth. It's, it's just, a, uh, just a rock. Nothing to it. Rocks don't do anything except get in your way when you're digging. At least in my opinion. They have a purpose. Otherwise they wouldn't be here. But if I took this rock and I just gave it a heave out there, what would happen? It would just go a little bit and then the law of gravity takes over and it falls to the floor or hits somebody. <laughs> the law of gravity, it just doesn't keep going up to the ceiling unless I throw it that hard. But on its own, the rock can't do anything. It just goes boom. Let me tell you something else. The other week, we visited our, our son and daughter-in-law and our grandchildren. And my daughter-in-law has raised birds, cockatiels to be exact. I usually don't pay any attention to them. They're, they're around. She has cages of them there from little, raises them up, sells them. And, but this time, she brought out a bird. And this isn't a cockatiel. No, it was a crimson-bellied 
Um, Conyer. Keep forgetting the name. Actually, there it is. A crimson belly Conyer. Okay, so what? It's just a very large parakeet <laughs> uh, on that. Huh? Kind of looks like. But it came and sat in my shoulder. And next thing I know, it's up here at my cheek. And I said to my daughter-in-law, what is wrong with this bird? It kept rubbing my cheek. He said, oh, he like, she, Evie is her name. So it even has, I mean, it's personal. Um, Evie likes to cuddle and she likes hair. She likes the hair, your beard. And this bird just rubbed my cheek. Oh, well, this is kind of neat. Who needs a dog or a cat? A bird that cuddles and rubs your hair. And then the bird flew to my wife's shoulder, and she has shoulder-length hair. And it walked up her shoulder and just cuddled up against her hair and her neck. They're like, whoa, what a bird. But my point that I want to make now is if I took Evie, if I, when she was sitting here, if I would have took her and did the same as I did with the stone, held her like this, and heaved her out there, would she follow the same path as the rock? No. Because instinctively, as soon as she felt the law of gravity beginning to take over her, the life and the power that was in her went to work so that the law of aerodynamics would take over that she could fly. And dear church, that's what I want so much in my life, is that instinctively, when temptation comes, the power of the spirit of life in Christ, that comes up in the next verse, but the power of the spirit of life in Christ takes over and I rise above the temptation. That's what I want in my life. I don't want to be this old thing. I want to be heavy and spiritually rise above the temptation instinctively just like Evie would have done if I would have heaved her out there like the rock. So what I'm trying to say this morning is that in Christ that's what sanctification is about. That's what getting more like Christ is about is instinctively we can respond with the right way not to the law of sin and death but to the law of the spirit of life in Christ. I want to share with you one more thing. I know this isn't easy. I, 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 have, I have firsthand experience of that, <laughs> like we all do. But I have some firsthand experience that I want to share with you this morning. I have three areas listed here to help me live in Christ. And I just want to share them with you that maybe this would be ways that could help you live or at least get you to be thinking about it, of living in Christ because in Christ is the key to this whole thing of no condemnation. It's what we have in Christ. But we need to be living in that. I was a pastor for 30 years. Not always full-time, or fully supported by the church. But because of my wife's situation, we believed it was best that I step aside from pastoring 
ultimately retired my credentials in that. And I got a job that I, I know now God led there. At first, I wasn't so sure about it. But I got a job working, started as an office manager for a car dealership, and soon got into computers and HR, and ultimately, he called me the controller of the company. I don't know, I didn't feel like that, but I did control a lot of things um, in the company. But every day, I just get up in the morning, be there at seven, do my job, leave at five, come home, take care of things around the house, mow the yard, uh, make supper, go to bed, get up and do that. And all of a sudden, I began to see something wrong in my life. Because when I was a pastor, preaching a sermon almost every week got me into the Word. I'm studying, and I love to study. I spend too much time at it usually, but I love to study the Word. And so the, the sermon got me in the Word. Relating to people and their needs and their situations from the Scripture. So I'm reading Scripture to speak into people's lives. And so I'm in the Scripture. And I, just all these things that kept me propped, so to speak, I found out. That kept me propped in my spiritual life. I mean, it was all good. There was nothing wrong with it. It was what I needed. But all of a sudden, my whole situation changed. And I just find myself going through motions, and there's nothing there spiritually. Although I did have to pray once or twice. There were some numbers that sure didn't come out right, and I couldn't figure out what had gone wrong, and I did pray about that. But most of the time, spiritual things weren't a second thought in the carpet. I mean, weren't any, yeah, you know what I mean. And the reality of this whole thing, I began to realize how spiritually out of shape I was. And I said, whoa, because I was not praying like I should. Even though I loved to study, I wasn't doing it like I needed. And that challenged me. That really challenged me in my life. And so this is things that helped me, three things that, that helped me to stay on the right track. The first one is know what is right. Know what is right. And how do I know what is right? It's because I spend time in the Word. That's the only way that I can know. The psalmist David says over and over, Oh, how I love thy law. Why? Because he liked all the regulations? No, because the law would tell him what God desired, how God wanted him to be. He could see God as he read the law. When I'm in God's word, that's how I can see and know God. And as his Holy Spirit speaks to me and teaches me, because Jesus said that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, is to teach us to know the truth. And the truth at work in our lives. So knowing the word, listening to the Holy Spirit as he teaches us, and that we come to the Bible to build a relationship with God. The God who loves us. The God who sent Jesus into this world to die for us. The God who says, you believe in Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. 
Secondly, desire what is right. Wrong desires lead to sin. We know that. But were my desires to go to work and take care of the yard and make supper and fix up things around the house, were they wrong? No, that's stuff I had to do. But they were getting in the way. Those desires were getting in the way for my desires to be authentic with God. And to do that, I need to have the mind of Christ for right desires, as it talks about in the Scriptures. And we're going to get into that through Romans 8 as well um, in teaching and learning those things. And then thirdly, do what is right. Do what is right to defeat wrong desires. Because we all have those. Temptation comes. There's no way any of us are free of temptations and those wrong desires. And so we need to do what is right. It's not about just knowing what is right. It's not just about desiring what is right. But it's about doing what is right that shows Christ in us. That demonstrates His power. And so this morning, I hope I can have challenged you to remember this fact over and over. There is no condemnation, but also given you some ways to think about this and practice it in your lives as well. The statement at the end of your page, note page there, I am not under condemnation because I am free from the powerless standards of the law through Christ in me. I am not under condemnation because I am free from the powerless standards of the law through Christ in me. And sometime today, read Romans or Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. This truth is important for each of us. Let's pray. Father God, take this study, take your word, the truth of no condemnation, and help us to live in that every day this week and into the future in Christ by the power that we have in him. Because God, it's all about you for your glory. In Jesus' name. I'm praying. Amen. We will continue with a time of prayer. Art. There is therefore now no condemnation. I don't know where you could go in the scripture to find something more encouraging and more positive for believers to, to know and to understand that. There is no condemnation. As we go into prayer, the, the first session I'd like us to spend some time is, is just worshiping our God 
in terms of who he is. He is the one who could free us from all condemnation. He is the one who does love us so much that he's done that. He has set us free. This is not a trial situation where the judge says or the jury says you're not guilty and then you can go out and become guilty again. This is there is now no condemnation. We are free in Christ Jesus. So I want us to, uh, as I said, take a few minutes to just focus on the greatness of our God, who he is, how powerful he is, and for whatever reason, sometimes hard to understand, he loves us so much that he has set us free from condemnation, from condemnation from past sins, present sins, future sins. He has set us free. So let's pray along those lines. Father, we do thank you um, because we have trouble comprehending how wonderful you are and all that you have done for us and are doing for us and will do for us. And it's not about the doing, it's about the being. You are the God who's created the universe and made it perfect. And you desire for us to walk holy and perfect. And you set us free. There is now no condemnation. We thank you that we can rejoice in that and just be just be encouraged consistently, no matter what anyone else says, no matter Satan is the great accuser or others that uh, would try to tear us down or discourage us. No matter what anyone says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. For our next session, I'd like to spend... Um, actually the next two sessions, sometimes on thankfulness. Particularly the next session, just thinking about not only has he set us free, but he set us on a pathway and a future and a direction so that it, it's not just, okay, you're not guilty, now go out and live your life. It's okay, you're not guilty. This is the way you should live. You should live according to the spirit. You should not live according to the flesh. And so all of the future that we have in front of us, which eventually winds up eternity with God, with Christ in heaven, all of that has been established for us. It's not just a try again. You're not guilty. Try again. 
It's you're not guilty. Here's the way to walk. As we've been reminded, walk in it to do those things. So let's uh, just take a little bit of time thanking the Lord for the fact that he walks with us. And, and I'm reminded, as I'm sure we all are, at the end of chapter 7 when, when Paul says, who should deliver us? Uh, well, the obvious answer is Jesus shall deliver us. And he delivers us and walks with us. His spirit involves us. So let's uh, just be thankful for that for the next couple of minutes. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your word that you've given to us. We thank you for the reminder that we had this morning that we can know what's right and we can choose to do what's right and not to do what's not right. And we do it because your word teaches us those things and your spirit directs us, guides us, and enables us to do those things. So you've not left us in any sense on our own, but you've entirely given us the direction and the ability to worship you, to serve you, to walk with you. And we thank you for that this morning. I'd like to also spend a little bit of time just thinking about our position. Scripture tells us that we are children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are part of his family. Now, it's easy to say those words. Somebody can say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a child of God. But just think about it. We are joint heirs with Christ. I, I, can't, I can't understand that. I can't understand everything that we know about Christ and how marvelous he is and, and how sinlessly perfect he lived and how wonderfully he sacrificed for us and all of that. And we are we're his brothers and sisters. We're joint heirs with Christ. So not only are we going to spend eternity with him, but we're not going to spend eternity with him like a guest. We can spend eternity with him as a family member. That we are joint heirs with Christ. We are children of God. We belong to him in every sense of the word. And so he has set us aside with no condemnation, given us a pathway to walk. And now let's just focus on the fact that uh, on top of that, um, we, we have every possession, every spiritual blessing, he tells us in Ephesians, in Christ Jesus because of what he's done for us. So let's be thankful for that as we pray again.
Father, it's impossible for us to, to enumerate the things that we have to be thankful for to you, for everything, everything possible, everything we can think of, every good gift, every perfect thing comes down from you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you that you have made us to be joint heirs with him. And we thank you that we can look forward to, no matter what situation we're in here, in this earth, we can look forward to spending eternity with you, with your son, and just rejoicing and fellowshipping together. And uh, we just thank you for that. And with every, every ounce of, of thought and, and prayer that we have, Lord, we bring it to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.